Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. This is Craig Settles. I am here live at uh, Gigabit Nation Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your this host is Drew. Show. And we have Drew Clark on the line, and we are ready to roll. Um, I want to thank everyone for coming in today uh, and attending this show. It's going to be a good one. We're going to talk a lot about uh, broadband mapping and adoption. And our guest for today is Drew Clark, who's the Executive Director of um, uh, Partnership for Connected Illinois. And uh, Drew and I actually have known each other for uh, quite a while since the beginning of the the broadband stimulus days and have talked often about uh, issues related to mapping, data collection, and so forth. And definitely he knows his stuff. So, Drew, welcome to the show. Well, I'm glad to be on the show. Uh, sounds like I've got a little echo here. That's a, Yes, we seem to be having some sort of a, um, uh issue on the phone lines, but your voice is coming across okay, and I think it's coming across okay for the audience. So we will soldier on and um, and, and get some good information out to folks. Uh, just a couple of uh, minor housekeeping issues for our audience. Um, we're not going to be taking uh, call-ins, but the chat room is open, and you can check in there if you have some specific uh, questions that you want to bring up to Drew or myself. Uh, my online co-host, Jay Ovatori, is, is handling the, the chat room, so we're all set up there. And uh, just to you know, recap the mission here for Gigabit Nation, you know, we're, we're basically working to provide uh, useful information and insights to help communities, companies, and nonprofits get more, better broadband to everywhere it needs to be in America. So, Drew, let's see, we spoke, I guess, first in 2009, uh, near the beginning of the, the stimulus program, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know exactly when we began speaking, Craig, but we've been in touch for some time, and yes, it has been a uh, real ride to be involved in the broadband stimulus and the national broadband plan. And thank you for uh, the opportunity to be on your show here and uh, speak to your listeners. As you mentioned, I'm the Executive Director of Partnership for Connect Illinois, which is also online as broadbandillinois.org. That's broadbandillinois, all one word, .org. And if you go online, you can see more about our organization. We're the state broadband initiative entity for Illinois, and we're involved in collecting data and working to promote access, higher and better speeds throughout the state, and then to maximize the impact of broadband through ensuring that it's well used and goes to serve national purposes in getting broadband used by all of the players that it should be used by. So uh, that's that's the quick take on where where we're at now and what we're doing. And uh, I'm uh, happy to respond to your questions, Craig. Oh, sure. So let's. Um, take the clock back a little bit to the, those early days in, of the broadband stimulus. From your perspective, what was the state of broadband data collection and mapping back then? Well, the state of broadband data and broadband mapping has changed dramatically. It really is a complete difference from three years ago, four years ago. 
uh, Craig, you referenced the fact that we've known each other for some time. I've been in uh, Illinois for a year and a half now, but before I came to Illinois, I started an organization called BroadbandCensus.com. And the goal of BroadbandCensus.com was to collect broadband data, and it was formed specifically because broadband data wasn't available from the government. They refused to release information about broadband carriers and where they operated. And so the goal uh, has been always to get more information out there. Well, now, with the passage of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act in February 2009, Congress required that uh, an interactive map spelling out broadband availability would be created. And, of course, it, it has now been created. On February 17th of this year, the National Broadband Map was released, creating a uh, – I guess it's hard to describe exactly. It's – it's uh, uh, a, a wealth of, of – uh, it's like a, uh, Victoria Falls uh, coming to the Sahara Desert, right? I mean, it's, it's all kinds of, of information that never was available previously and now is available. And I think it's through the National Broadband Map and through state entities like the Partnership for Connected Illinois that we're able to um, – have uh, a completely different world than we started with. Mm -hmm. So, for the average broadband supporter on the street, you know, the people that have been following this, what do you consider to be the the high points of the map that we currently have relative to where we were two years ago? I think the high point is that carriers are now identified in specific census blocks. So one of the pieces I wrote about this subject, you can find it on Broadband Illinois, and I made mention of what has really happened over the past two, three years as a result of the trends in broadband adoption. And so, for example, in 2006, uh, six, seven, the, the carriers were reluctant to release information about the zip codes in which they operated. There's about 707, excuse me, 7,000 people in a zip code. But, but in a census block, there's about 40 people that live in a census block. So we now have a much, much, much more granular body of knowledge about broadband. Now, what do you do with that knowledge? Well, we're still trying to figure that out. We're still figuring out how the information about broadband can be more effectively used. But now that it's out there, people can start to understand, grasp, uh, figure out where the trends are, uh, where, where the technological limitations are, and how we can build on top of these areas with greater and greater um, use of use of broadband and investments in broadband. Mm -hmm. So maybe one question to ask is, you know, how important is this data, or how important are the maps that the data is generating? 
I mean, you know, again, for the average person that's looking at this saying, well, you know, I want broadband, or our community is looking at developing a broadband network. We're doing a public-private partnership, so forth and so on. You know, where's, you know, the one, two top reasons why they need to worry or be concerned about the state of their data collection and, and mapping? So the average person it comes to broadband from a number of perspectives. Uh, one is they're consumers, so they want to get better broadband. They want to get they want to get and understand uh, what their options are. I think that that is just as much for business users as for individual consumers. Now, th then there's the issue of, okay, how is the community going to be improved by, by better broadband and better knowledge of broadband options? I think that that's where you start to get to economic development and other uh, aspects of the National Broadband Plan. How are we going to promote health, promote education, promote energy conservation, uh, and economic uh, development through job growth in regions? And that's where the data is useful to a range of players in the public and private sectors that, that can help to say, okay, well, this, this is where we've got a good quality broadband where we are able, able to build, build uh, those institutions, those anchor institutions, and others that are needed, and these and are these real problem areas that we can work, work to uh, focus on. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's basically leading to better decisions uh, when we really talk about the bottom line value of, of this whole exercise. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Because I mean, I've I've looked at this uh, a lot, uh, you know, over the over the last couple of years as as well, and um, it seems like the real issue is, are we getting enough useful information, and are we getting enough information that we can verify or validate in some way? I mean, I think that when the broadband map was released there were a lot of concerns about, well, how do we verify this data? What do we do about the incumbents that didn't participate and send information in and so forth? And so, you know, what, what about those areas? You know, what do, how do we validate this is indeed uh, useful information and accurate information? Well, thank you. That's, that's an excellent point, Craig. So, well, the thing that, that broadbandcensus.com brought to the table was to say, we don't need to go to the carriers to get broadband data. We can collect it directly from users, directly from consumers. And that crowdsourcing approach is and remains a vital uh, effort. Now, it's, it's not going to be the whole picture. You do need to piece together other source of information. So that's why Partnership for Connect Illinois collects information from carriers, and then we validate that directly with the carriers, but we don't stop there. On broadbandillinois.org, we're taking the data that we have, making it public, and then inviting consumers to react to, to verify that data. So that's the second layer, is, is the carrier data verified by consumers crowdsourcing the data. There's still other methods. For example, we can verify the data we receive from carriers from other public sources, from other databases, other, you know, even the Federal Communications Speed Test database is one of those that we have looked at and compared with the data we have from carriers. 
And then uh, finally, there's the methods of verification by taking the map out to uh, communities. We have in Illinois what we've called e-teams. These e-teams are entities that we use to help uh, create awareness about broadband, how it can help to make uh, a better broadband, can make better lives. And we're also using those e-teams to verify information about uh, broadband and, and where it is. Okay. Let me, let me interrupt you for one second. Uh, do you have your computer on in the background? Um, uh, I do have my computer, my computer on, yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a... Uh, I didn't know if you were on speakerphone or whatever, but I think we're getting no, feedback. No, it, it, is, it is very difficult to speak, Craig, and I emailed you asking if you could call me on another line because I have a hard time thinking, uh, hearing myself. Gotcha. Um, okay, let me ask my audience indulgence for one minute here. What I want to do is I want to drop Drew and then call him back and bring him back in, and we'll just pick up the conversation from there. So um, I do need those to get a number where to where to dial it, dial in for you, Drew. Check check your email, Greg. Got it. Um, as we could expect from a moment like this, I don't have um, an email from you. Let's. Let's carry on while I try to um, chase down where the where the email went. Um, so, how would you describe the state of coverage in Illinois at currently, based on the data that you've collected so far? Well, I, I think that there's some real limitations to broadband coverage. There is. A lot of coverage and very good coverage in the Chicago metropolitan area. We tend to see 25 to 100 megabits availability. But even there, you know, we're not seeing the gigabit type connectivity that I know, Craig, you've been a big promoter of. And then, you know, you do have broadband availability that's suitable for businesses in, in, in many other parts of the state, in metropolitan areas and elsewhere. But it's a constant refrain I do hear, you know, my broadband's not adequate because you don't, they don't get cable or DSL broadband. I do not have cable or DSL available at my home, so I'm reliant on wireless broadband. And many, many other people are in that situation. So uh, there's, there's some, some real limitations to uh, broadband availability, but we know that there's, it's, it's, it's a long-term effort. It takes time. It takes investment. It takes carriers upgrading their systems and networks and uh, wireless uh, operation. And it takes new investment of fiber. We're seeing a lot under the uh, broadband technology opportunities program, bringing broadband out there through uh, comprehensive networks. But again, it, it, it takes time to get to a, a better, better picture. Right. Okay. I could see where that would be. Uh, that would be an issue. Um, you know, I still can't find that email, and so I don't know how we're going to work through that. Let me just just keep rolling through here. Um, so, is partnership for Connected Illinois just the, the data collection and mapping, or are there other um, are there other um, tasks and responsibilities that you guys have as well. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we, we have 
three missions uh, at Broadband Illinois. One is to collect and publish data. The other is to help promote access and infrastructure throughout the state. And the third is to help promote and maximize the impact of broadband. So uh, you might categorize the second and third missions as uh, beyond the data and mapping. They're about uh, helping to enable greater access or greater adoption of broadband. And as with, I think, all, all other state broadband initiative entities, uh, you know, these 56 entities throughout the country that have received funding under uh, ARA, we are doing more than just the data mapping. We also have projects to build the teams and the networks and the partnerships and research that will help to promote the access and the impact of broadband. Um, so that's that seems like it's been going. And so now, how long has the program been active? I mean, I know you've been in Illinois for like what about a year and a half, but how long has the program itself been been moving? Sure. So so PCI really got going in uh, two years ago in the summer of 2009, and uh, has been uh, been been engaged as the designated entity for that period of time. And uh, as I say, you know, there's been some evolution as we've uh, grown and matured, but the basic uh, goal is and remains to get better broadband and to help make better lives throughout the state. Right, okay, and that's pretty good. What are some of the big uh, projects that you guys have going on? I know that you received um, several uh, awards, I mean, well, the state received several awards. What uh, what are some of the more exciting projects you got going on? So I think that what one of the things that's really very exciting is the relationship that we have with the Broadband Deployment Council in Illinois. The Broadband Deployment Council was began in 2005 by then Lieutenant Governor Pat Quinn, who's now Governor Pat Quinn, and he's had a real strong interest in broadband for all that period of time, seeing it as a key to economic development and growth. And the Broadband Deployment Council was originally structured around improving infrastructure, improving adoption, and uh, making sure that policies are, are designed to promote broadband. And uh, the Broadband Deployment Council has gone through some evolution as well. Most recently, uh, last year, Governor Quinn reappointed several members of the Broadband Deployment Council, and, we, and PCI, Partnership for Connect Illinois, has been tasked to help support and staff and facilitate the activities of the Broadband Deployment Council. So, so this is, is uh, exactly uh, one of the things that we've been uh, tasked with and funded to do by the federal government that helps support an infrastructure of broadband engagement throughout the state. Interesting. The other thing that... So go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Craig. Okay, so I'm going to change tact here for a second, and I also have the other number where to call you, so I'm going to... I'm going to drop you and call the other one, and like I said, we'll just pick up the uh, conversation and go on. Thanks, Greg. All right, hang on. This is Drew. 
There we go. I think we're back on. Sound better? All right. All right. All right, folks. Here we go. Um, so, in reading some of the information about what what you guys are up to, and I've also been following um, some of the stuff here in the state of California where I am uh, with their uh, approach. It seems like an adoption program, the way these things are set up, is that you're trying to get a lot of different programs all under one banner, you know, and trying to find out, you know, where are their resources, who's doing broadband, who has an effective program over in this part of the state, and maybe there's another idea over in another part of the state, and there's a lot, because there's a lot of independent activities going on to drive broadband, you know, at the very local level, neighborhood level even, all the way up to the programs that the states are doing. And so uh, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, grand level cat herding. How does how do you get a handle on that? I mean, when I say you, I mean, like, you know, if you're giving advice to other states, you know, how do you get a handle on all those activities and get them on the same page and move forward with some sort of cohesive uh, plan? Well, well it's, uh, it's uh, the challenge, the challenge of, of being involved in broadband is, is the type of thing that um, – Makes, makes it entertaining and makes it uh, exciting that there are so many different fields and parts of government and industry that are related to broadband. So um, I don't know if that's an adequate answer to your question. You're basically trying to keep people in touch with one another on this. But do you do you set up um, like regular meetings? Is there and do you use the internet connectivity that you have to set up? Uh, I don't know blogs and chat rooms. I mean, how how, how would the mechanics or at least some of the mechanics come together? Um, well, uh, I guess I would encourage your listeners to view our website at broadbandillinois.org. We we are, we are organized along a structure that follows the three missions: the data collection information, piece, the promoting access and infrastructure by by working with regional teams throughout state, and also working with those broadband stimulus awardees. And, and that, Craig, this Craig, is actually, this is actually another, another point, point that I haven't, haven't really emphasized. Really emphasized. Illinois, Illinois was, was the uh, second, second largest, largest recipient of uh, broadband, broadband stimulus funds uh, under the BSOP uh, uh, program, uh, uh, second uh, only to California. California. You're there. You're there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, part of the challenge and opportunity we have is to coordinate and make sure that the project Work, work well, well together, together and, and go maximize, maximize the impact, impact broadband throughout the day. day. So we so have, we have um, activities, activities that support, support the uh, access and infrastructure uh, throughout the state. state. Then we, then have, we activities have activities that support awareness, awareness and attention to and, and uh, knowledge of broadband, broadband, how broadband can be more effectively more used, used, for example, in these national purposes. Uh, like uh, health like like education, education uh, saving, saving energy, energy economic, economic development, development public, public safety, safety uh, job, job creation. creation. Uh, these, these are these are, are the, the uh, yeah, things we, we spoke, spoke about, about earlier, earlier but, I, but I, it, 
it, it involves uh, you know, being, being involved, involved in the network, network, a lot of, lot of concerned people who want to be a broadband bandit group throughout Illinois. So you are, you're, you're creating a certain level of um, uh, trust by building these avenues, these communication avenues, so people feel like that the input that they're putting in is going somewhere and someone or several someones are responding to that and doing what they can to help address the issue. Uh, yeah, yes. Mm, okay. So now um, – you know, in one of your uh, pieces I've read, you know, you talk about there comes a point where you've you've collected the data, and that represents sort of part one of the process, and then you, you come up with uh, the plans and the programs. How do you create a good program? What's a good broadband adoption program look like if there is a some sort of standard? I may be asking, um, um, you know, for the world, but it's, yeah, it seems like a good question. The, the federal government allocated most of its money under the broadband stimulus effort for infrastructure projects, uh, both the comprehensive community infrastructure project and also last mile uh, often wireless projects funded under the broadband infrastructure program of the agriculture department. There was, there was, however, some funds allocated to public computing centers and for um, sustainable broadband projects. And uh, there are, uh, well, three such projects in the state of Illinois, uh, two in the city of Chicago, uh, which is, includes a, a broadband, sustainable broadband project and a public computing center project, and then a, a second sustainable broadband project. Connected living, which provides uh, broadband to senior centers throughout Illinois. So these are these are two, uh, well, three, but two are run together by the city of Chicago. That are uh, we feel great examples of broadband sustainable projects, and they can see great updates from. from their respective websites, and we have we have them on on our site at broadbandillinois.com. Mm-hmm. So now today, um, I was reading a um, LinkedIn post about uh, broadband adoption, and it was an interesting article in that it said um, in the city of Philadelphia. So Philadelphia went through a lot of effort. They built out about 80% of a wireless, a citywide wireless network, but they had put priority on the low-income areas where they found that there was the least or the lowest levels of adoption. Um, when Earthlink pulled out of the deal, the infrastructure was still there, and so there was still wireless access. And the group that bought the asset from Earthlink kept the wireless network working. So. If you had any kind of Wi-Fi enabled device, you would be able in those neighborhoods to go online and use the service. And then they did or conducted some sort of survey recently and have found out that um, that, all, that very few people were actually using it. And so the question that the, the, the blog poster put up was, you know, what do you do 
if you create a program, not even create a program, if you just basically give people access and you don't charge for it, so there's no longer the issue of, you know, is it too expensive, and yet people don't use it. And 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 his his sort of second question was, you know, is it because people don't care or is it because there aren't the right programs in place to really foster adoption? What, what's your take on that quandary? I guess I don't have a, have, a, have a very good answer to that, unfortunately, Craig. Uh, I, I think that broadband is about educating and about ensuring that the capabilities and the uh, resources are available. So uh, groups that have studied broadband adoption focus on a variety of factors. Just digital literacy. The basics of being able to use it. There's also the relevance, meaningful to me, and understanding how technology can be connected to people's lives. And then there's connectivity piece and the affordability of broadband. Is this something that's worth spending 40 bucks or 30 bucks a month? There's been some very interesting projects. I think Comcast has launched one in Chicago, which offers broadband for $10 a month to particular low-income residents. So, so we're going to be able to see and I think build models and conclusions about what types of approaches are most successful in making broadband more sustainable and more widely used. So, so uh, that, that gets at some of the issues. I'm sorry, say that again? I was just I saying that, that, I, that I believe that, I believe that, that gets at some, some of the issues in regard to sustainable broadband. broadband. Mm-hmm. Tell, me, well, tell me what you think of this. I, um, you know, I've read about the, the, um, uh, the, the Comcast project, and my initial take on that is you're giving people a subsidy for using broadband, and there are a number of conditions and so forth. And that part's okay. I mean, one that maybe may not be okay, but I expect that there would there would be some level of conditions on it. Uh, you know, you have to show a level of need, and um, you can't be already using a service and, and that kind of thing. But I feel like if the intent is to try to get people – um, to use broadband so they can find a job, so that they can develop certain skills, so they can enhance certain skills, that a subsidy program is a nice first start, but it falls very short. And if we rest on that <clears throat> or that alone, that we're going to have that we're going to have problems. That people need some sort of um, well, and let me put it a different way. In Philadelphia, right, so they, in the early days of the network there, um, the group that was driving the broadband adoption program partnered with a whole series of nonprofits, for example, uh, programs for unwed um, uh, pregnant uh, women who were on some sort of city or state assistance programs. And so they basically tied things like getting health information, getting access to counseling, and a number of other services to being able to do that via the Internet. 
So if you went through the program to, to understand how to use those different services, how to use the computer, in essence making yourself a, um, you know, a valid digital client of the nonprofit, your reward at the end of that was you would get a discounted um, uh, computer and you would get the Internet access. So it was a whole program around what were a number of needs of the individual of which access was one of those, but it seemed to have worked better at getting people online, um, and be because they had a you know they had a very clear need. They also had a very clear um, you know work and reward thing. You, you worked to learn the program and how the nonprofit worked and developed certain efficiencies and you developed computer efficiencies, and then your reward was the access and the um, computer. Do we need programs like that? Can those be effective or should those be even expanded upon in some way? Um, I think that I think what that we're what seeing we're right, right now, now is, is the beginnings of a discussion with regard to what universal service means in the broadband world, world. Right. right? And we're beginning, we're beginning to see that the Federal Communications Commission open this dialogue, dialogue as it begins the universal, universal service fund to I think that, I think that, that, that I don't know if, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the general parameters of universal service fund. Most of it goes for supporting rural telephone service and not Internet service. There's a small portion that goes on what's called the E-Ray and ways to subsidize Internet connection for schools, libraries. But the, I think the discussion that's taking place right now is, well, what's the long-term sustainable plan to support broadband in areas that may not adopt it without some additional support? And there's, there's a real education component to this. There's a real need to make sure people understand and use broadband. And so that's, that's part of what... We're about in our, our mission to maximize the impact of broadband. And I think it's what, what the cities and, and, and states that are seeking to experiment and develop programs to get uh, people who haven't adopted online. And what's the, and what's the Federal Communications Commission as it reforms the universal service to universal broadband should be considering. Okay, that, that makes sense. And then, and, and, you know, because I've, I've, I've written to that issue as well, you know, what the FCC is planning to do in terms of universal service fund reform seems to be uh, along the same lines of what Comcast is doing. So, and what I mean by that is the, the Lifeline program is a uh, subsidy program. You, you go in, you apply. If you qualify, you get a you know you you go somewhere and you get the service for ten bucks and boom and out the door you go. But there's nothing else really associated with that. And so if the government follows that same model and says, well here's ten dollars and uh, a month, and now you have the option, you can either go buy a broadband service or you know contribute this to a broadband service cuz you know where can you find broadband for $10 until this Comcast thing came to be but basically it is the same kind of um we're going to give you this dollar subsidy for one element of the program 
and we are going to consider that reform. Or maybe in the end there will be something else tied to it, but the initial discussion seemed to be, you know, we're we're going to basically take and juke this little subsidy program we have and try to make it fit in the broadband world. And I don't know, is that wise to, to take that tact? I think, I think that, that uh, there's not really going to be, gonna be uh, solutions that, that fit everywhere. everywhere. It's going to depend on the area, area the, the, the city, the, city, state. the state. We need a, we need a time for a thousand hours to bloom, right? We just need to let lots of projects out there and measure the results best we can to document and make the information about successes and failures available. And that, and that will, will help help to inform the national how broadband is is best available. And what we do know is that broadband is, is crucial to being, being involved, involved in, in our society. More and more, and more things, things are online. online. There's, There's only, only one way to one search way to for jobs. jobs. There's increasingly one way to get benefits or participate in government services. Broadband is a key way to save funds when we're talking about health care systems. So there's there's lots and lots of reasons to make sure broadband is adopted and used by everyone throughout the country. The question then is just how we're going to put a multiplicity of ways we're going to use it. So then would it make more sense then rather than have a FC mandated program um, to have a way of making the money available and let communities develop their own solution. For example, if um, uh, a city has 20,000 people that would qualify for this uh, subsidy, rather than um, creating this national program where everybody has the same kind of, you know, you go in, you apply, you get your, you know, you get your $10 coupon, that the communities are allowed to say, you know, whatever 20,000 times $10 a month is, you know, comes up to some grand total for the year, take that money, aggregate that money, and then go shopping for the best solution that either the private sector or the public sector can offer for that money. Does, does that sound like something that might be a, maybe a better approach that gives the communities that allows for the fact that every community is different? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good it's a good point, Craig. I I, I don't have a definitive opinion on whether that's a, a bad idea. I think there's a lot of good things to that. Uh, making it available to uh, cities and states to determine their own projects. There's a kind of a term out there called reverse cost, where you basically say, well, we want to get that broadband people. How much would how much would it take for you to bid on making available? And so that that concept being talked about in the context of universal service. No reason we can't talk about that in the terms of. Broadband, broadband and broadband, broadband projects, broadband, broadband, uh, broadband sustainable broadband. Broadband. So, so it does have some some merit. I, I, and I, I, from what you, from your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess then the next step would be to 
um, in this comments period, right, the, the FCC has put out this idea, okay, we want to reform um, Lifeline and make it so that it facilitates broadband adoption. And there's a comments period, and I, I don't know how many people are even aware of that, but it sounds like this would be the point at which you go in and um, and make these kinds of recommendations to the FCC. You know, it seems like one thing I will say about the the the, the current um, FCC, it seems like they have put a number of things out there for people to comment on and to gather input and and across the board. You know, not just a small select folks who have access in DC. And so, you know, it seems to me that the best way to try to, to, you know, get from here to there is going to be taking full advantage of the comments phase of things. I don't know, have you ever done one of those, uh, you know, respond to an F, F, um, FCC proposal that well, way? Well, it's funny you should ask, Greg. Uh, uh, let, let me make two points on, on these comments. comments. With regard With to this to one, this one on, on the changes to universal, universal service transfer universal broadband, broadband fund, fund. Uh, uh, PCI did is it did make some very limited comments. Comment. Uh, uh, we have worked, worked very closely, closely with, on this, on this issue, issue uh, with, uh, with Benton Foundation, Foundation, which is uh, chaired uh, by Charles Benton, Benton who is chairman of Partnership for Connect Illinois. And Benton Foundation has based on a large number of issues regarding universal service because that's the key aspect of their organization. But PCI uh, narrowly responded on the issue of state entities like state broadband initiative entities such as PCI and the role that we could play in pilot programs under formulated universal service. So, so, so that's that's the process we went through, and it was a very, very a brief, brief comment, comment that we, that we made, made in that process. process. Uh, and uh, and uh, I, have I have actually filed comments before Craig uh, uh, under the broadband, broadband data, data uh, initiatives in 2008-2009. Broadbandcenter.com did file comments on the various initiatives that they were considering with regard to broadband data. And we made, made the point, point uh, repeatedly, uh, repeatedly that, that uh, broadband, broadband data should be released, released on a carrier-wide basis, basis so that that information, that information would be available, available to the public. public. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that we do live in a world, live in a world where, where that information, information is available. Is available. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to – let's see, we've got about 15 minutes. I want to make – one last time, a change on the phone line. See if we can clear up some of the echo in the line here. And if it doesn't work, we'll just, you know, we'll 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 take it to the end and go from there. So I'm going to hang up and call one more time uh, to your landline, okay, okay. and let's uh, make a switch. Hang in there. Definitely thank you to our audience for sticking in. I know this has been a little bit more of a problem than we've had in the past, and so we're I think we're on the track here on this last call. Drew Clark speaking. All right, Drew, that sounds a little bit better. So let's uh, let's let's carry on. Um, one of the things I read about of your program that I thought was kind of interesting, you did early on in the program a set of four webinars, 
and uh, the topics were the Illinois broadband map, developing statewide baseline data for research, uh, community anchor institutions and broadband, and then RE teams and broadband research. Could you take a few minutes and maybe just give a couple of the highlights of each of those um, webinars and what it was that you were trying to achieve with uh, with each topic? I'd be happy to, Craig, and thanks for giving me the chance to speak about it. So uh, when you go to broadbandillinois.org and if you click on the News tab, uh, one of the uh, items that you'll see, Measuring Broadband Use and Adoption is the Next Frontier in Internet Data Collection. Uh, in it, the reason I'm pointing your viewers to this uh, topic is there's links to each of our prior webinars because we, we hosted four webinars, we called them Wednesday webinars, on the topics you've just mentioned. What these webinars have been designed to do is to bring our data resources into the uh, public uh, stream of consciousness and so that people can see the research that we're doing and uh, comment on it and uh, offer their feedback. So uh, in the first one on the broadband map, we discussed what's available right now on Broadband Illinois, what the site offers, uh, the different mapping tools that are available on it, and uh, how you can use them. The second one on statewide baseline data uh, is is really involved in a, a key effort uh, to measure broadband demand and usage throughout the state. And this is uh, something that we've issued an RFP for, actually, and we just held a, a, a bidders conference webinar on this this topic. So, so this is all uh, very recent and current that we've been doing. Uh, the community anchor institutions piece was speaking about how we've collected information on broadband from those community broadband centers. And every time you click on the map on our site, you see not only the carriers, but you see the community anchor institutions that are nearby that point. And then when we have it available, we have carrier information about those community anchor institutions, too. And uh, so, again, I encourage your uh, listeners to uh, check it out and see, see what they, uh, they uh, find and uh, offer feedback to us. And then the last uh, webinar was on our e-teams and the work that they're doing to uh, bring the message of broadband to uh, communities and help uh, work with them collaboratively to solve broadband uh, uh, challenges, you know, serve to get better access and to promote the adoption of broadband. So that, that's kind of where we've been using the webinars to uh, help build momentum and attention around broadband, and we're we're, we're trying to you know tell the story in a, a thorough way uh, on the Broadband Illinois site. We've got lots of news and information available there and uh, encourage your readers to check it out. Mm -hmm. Do you sense a uh, any kind of difference between um, the uh, adoption programs that are used in urban areas versus rural areas? Uh, there are some common issues 
I think that, that uh, one of the challenges that you face in either place is making sure that the resources you're bringing to non-users of broadband are relevant to their lives and that they uh, have the tools they need to uh, make use of them. So, so the relevance is the key, right? Sometimes you, you run into uh, farmers in rural areas that just haven't used broadband and don't feel the need for it or haven't felt the need for it. And so it's about making sure they're aware of the uh, opportunities and the applications uh, that could help uh, improve their lives. And it's, it's similar in urban areas, right? You know, people who haven't adopted broadband, you know, recent immigrants who may prefer not to communicate online but to get together in person. And it's, it's not like, you know, we're trying to force everyone online. We're trying to open up doors and opportunities for people who haven't uh, had it by virtue of being connected. So, uh, yes, there are differences, clearly, Craig, but there's also some similarities to the type of broadband adoption education that needs to be done in rural areas as well as urban areas. Would it be accurate to say that people should look at adoption programs more as relationship building versus selling? In other words, selling That's an interesting point, interesting way of looking at it. Uh, I think that... Uh, there's no incompatibility with selling broadband services, but I think we have moved past the notion of uh, broadband adoption is, is up in the take rate, getting more people to subscribe to the triple play or bundled services. We view broadband usage and, and uh, impact and its adoption as being about that, surely, but it's also about making sure that broadband is well integrated into the fabric of the community institutions, of the uh, businesses, of, uh, of, of the lives of people so that, uh, that they're familiar with the kinds of tools. I mean, think, think about the gigabit applications, right, and the, the challenge that Google uh, issued in February 2010 to think big with the gig. And obviously now we've seen Kansas City uh, receive that uh, uh, network. And likewise, we see all of the um, broadband stimulus projects on the infrastructure front. They're going to have the types of networks that are capable of gigabit connectivity. And so, so we've got a big opportunity coming in terms of making sure that the uh, businesses, the residences, and the um, anchor institutions are prepared to receive this higher level of connectivity. Mm -hmm. By the way, are you uh, familiar with the Gig U program that was announced uh, just about a week or so ago? Blair Levin is heading it up. Yes, yes, we've we've been uh, familiar with that and uh, uh, in, involved to the extent that there are some players in Illinois that are involved in that. And uh, I think it's very exciting, very uh, useful development that will enable um, communities to piggyback on the universities. So uh, we, we see that uh, University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana 
and the University of Chicago are both key members of GIGU. I mean, in, in a nutshell, we're basically seeing that uh, the, the initiative, the GIGU initiative, is to connect the communities into the high-speed internet infrastructures that are available because of the universities. Think of it as the ultimate in town-gown cooperation, right? They're not just trying to make this internet two or internet three or internet five or whatever, which is the connectivity that the universities have to super high-speed connectivity, but to bring the high-speed connectivity, super high-speed connectivity that universities have to the residents of those uh, university communities. So I think it's going to work in tandem with lots of initiatives, with the BTOP initiative, with Google Fiber, uh, GigU, with others out there that are promoting real broadband networks, networks that are capacity of gigabit and, and other speeds. Right. And, and for our audience who may not have caught one of my earlier shows where I talked about this, GigU is a consortium of over 30 universities, and the idea is that they, the university or colleges, would create a gigabit network that would spill out to the surrounding communities, very similar to what's being done at Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, where the university has built a super, super network, and there are hundreds of residences in that area that are able to take advantage of that. And the idea is that the uh, universities will use this as a test bed for applications and services and so forth. And by having the community there, you're, you're, uh, you're creating applications and you're field testing them in real-world situations. And then from that will hopefully blossom applications and expansions of that network and, as Drew mentioned, interconnecting the, the GIG-U network with whatever the nearest, say, broadband stimulus network, if a community has won that. And if there are other networks that come down the line, they may then, in turn, uh, base their program, You know, for example, if there's another Google City that gets a gigabit network, then they may very well tie into the local participant in the GigU program. That's that's about a good summary, isn't it, Drew? I think I yeah, yeah no, that's, that's great. That's a great, great summary. So I think that there's a lot to be done with that. I mean, I think one of the questions that I put to one of my guests before was, you know, is there a danger? of um, because it's being driven by the university that it becomes more of an academic exercise as opposed to a exercise in sort of practical thinking and i think that's sort of maybe people's bias that well if the university does it you know you have sort of the people in the ivory towers um but i don't know i don't know if that's a necessarily a major should be a major concern or not what i mean what do you think drew well, I, I think that it goes back to what they're trying to do in bridging the town-gown divide. They're not trying to make it a propeller head exercise. It's supposed to be about bringing the super high connectivity to the community to enable the types of applications that will be uh, useful for a broader community to have access to. So. Um, uh, it, it, it's true that you, you are going to have people from the university involved, but I think that's a plus because they're the ones who know how and what applications are uh, you know, needing to use these super high-speed networks. So I think they can bring a lot to the table. 
And I think that, again, as long as the goal remains to ensure that the communities get connect connectivity at the gig speeds, then we're going to see a lot uh, of benefits from it. So, so definitely I would say the word should be out to um, the various uh, communities that, you know, find out about GigU, figure out if it's coming to uh, a college or university near you, and jump in early to participate. I mean, participation is everything. If you don't, if you don't play in the game, then you obviously aren't going to come away with any wins. Yeah, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So now, um, by the way, have you spoken with the folks in in the, in the Illinois colleges that you mentioned about GigU? Have they given you any like early indication of you know? Their their thoughts on it. I mean, I don't know how long the Giggy thing has been in formation, but it was only announced a couple of weeks ago. Um, well, PCI has been involved with the universities throughout the state because of our work in conducting broadband research. We've we've been working with several universities, in particular uh, University of Illinois at Chicago. And, and Northern Illinois University, both of which are conducting research uh, for which uh, PCI was funded under uh, the State Broadband Initiative into the uh, broadband stimulus projects in their respective areas. So uh, that's just one example of the collaborations that uh, our organization, Partnership for Connected Illinois, has with the universities throughout the state. And so, so we've been in touch with them and working with them. But I, I have not particularly spoken with the um, two universities, Champaign and University of Chicago, that I mentioned earlier that are interested in or part of the GIGU consortium. We may have to figure out a way to get them on the show. And, and in yeah. fact, Lev Gonick, uh, who's a CIO of Case Western Reserve, is going to be a guest on the show on the 18th of August. And so um, I know he's one of the big pushers, uh, movers in the Gig Youth uh, program, and I expect that we'll get a lot of good insight to the particulars of the project and so forth from there. So we're about to wrap up. Drew, do you have one last, like, one key point that to impart on our audience, you know, advice on how to make maximum use of uh, the data they get to, to drive the adoption programs they create? Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Greg. Greg. I, think I think that, that what we're what seeing, we're again, seeing is, is a period of exploration, exploration and, and uh, digesting uh, all of the uh, reservoir of, of resources that have just in the last four or five months become available. Uh, I, I certainly encourage those of you who are listening that are uh, skilled at software development to take the application programming interfaces that we've put out there on Broadband Illinois and that the National Broadband Map has also put out there and figure out ways to take this broadband data and apply it to other contexts, apply it to real estate, apply it to job growth, apply it to health care, apply it to schools, apply it to crime, and look, look at it in many different ways and, and keep us informed. We want to be aware of what you're doing. Uh, perhaps, perhaps the closing words that I would offer, Craig, is that uh, just like the National Broadband Plan created an interest and in knowledge and awareness of broadband, and it called for a national broadband map that's now available, I think we now need to build the national broadband mashup. 
and that mashup is going to take the data that's publicly available and use it for lots of new purposes in ways that will unfold and reveal the way that broadband can expand and improve the capabilities and talents people have and lead to better lives. Great. So, so that's that's our mission here. Okay. Thank you very much, Drew. It's been great having you as a guest today. Thanks to our sponsor, Hiawatha Broadband Communications, and we expect to see all you next week for our guests coming on the show. Uh, thank you, and have a great day.